Welcome to the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast, featuring Christian entrepreneurs to inspire and empower Christian business owners to walk strongly in their faith while building a thriving business that honors Him in every way. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast brought to you by the Influence Alliance, the business building community for change makers who want to make a much bigger difference in the world with their message. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, joining me on today's show is Oz Hillman. Oz is an internationally recognized speaker. He is an author as well as a consultant on the subject of faith at work. He is also the founder and president of Marketplace Leaders Ministries, an organization whose purpose is to train men and women to fulfill their calling in and through their work life and to view their work as ministry. Now, Oz has formerly or formerly owned and operated an ad agency in Atlanta for 12 years. He's written 21 books on faith and work-related subjects and a daily workplace email devotional entitled TGIF, not what you think that it stands for, but rather Today God is First, that is read by hundreds of thousands of people daily across 105 countries. Now, specifically on today's show, Oz is going to share that he learned that God often uses crises as an entry door to the larger story of our lives, just as he did with Joseph and Paul. Uh, Oz is also going to share that God is desiring to use Christian entrepreneurs as his change agents in culture, as well as, as we mentioned in the title, so often crises are designed to bring healing and maturity in our lives that we would not gain without the crises. So welcome to the show, Oz. And Marie, good to be with you. We probably can say that a time is now in a crisis, the whole world has been faced with a pandemic and unexpected uh, circumstances. And as we know, the Lord has our future in his hand. And I love the way that you've said, you know, sometimes these crises come as a way to bring healing and maturity in our lives. I always love to give uh, our guests an opportunity to share a little bit about just an oversight, if you will, of uh, the different maybe uh, markers and what I call milestones in your life that led you down the path to where you are today because I believe that no situation, no challenge, no crisis is is an accident when it comes to the Lord. So give people a little bit of a snapshot of you and and what what, uh, kind of led you down to now really being passionate about this ministry. Well, uh, Anne-Marie, when I was uh, in college, uh, my plan was to become a professional golfer. I went to school on a golf scholarship. Uh, That was the first uh, goal that didn't happen for me and disappointment. That actually was the catalyst that allowed me to come to Christ when I was uh, 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 24 years old. And um, God used that. I would later get into business. And we would have a very successful run in business where our ad agency uh, was called the Aslan Group. Actually, even at that time, I was trying to understand the role faith played in our workplace and Aslan representing Christ. And we represented some uh, great clients like American Express and Steinway Pianos and a number of other great clients. But in 1994, uh, 12 years, just under 12 years into my business life, I had a major crisis in which uh, I had uh, some investment, personal investments in uh, 
in which uh, I had a Bernie Madoff type of experience where someone was really misrepresenting what they were doing and and took a half million dollars from us. And and at that time, I had a client that represented 80 percent of our business. And uh, we had a conflict over a job and we were making it right. But he used that to decide to fire us and and uh, not pay his $140,000 bill. And then I had a vice president who took my second largest account. And my wife decided that uh, she wanted to separate and that would lead to divorce. All of that was in three months. And so it ushered me into a seven year season that many of the things I teach now and learn and, and share came out of what I learned and gained from that experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, For someone who maybe is going through a season as um, perhaps can resonate with some of the things that you have shared or have found themselves in another circumstance, I think often we can feel that you know, why is this happening to me? We can often feel that or assume that this hasn't happened to to other people. Uh, And it's in conversations like these, I think, that we can share, and and I know you're going to do that today, some of the insights that you've learned. But, of course, as Christians, there are Bible verses and things that we can remind ourselves of that bring us a level of comfort and peace that we just can't find anywhere else. That's certainly been my experience in situations of of crises. Take us back to that time. What were some of the things that occurred for you that you saw? Because hindsight's a wonderful, a wonderful thing, isn't it, Oz? When you can look back and you can kind of see where the Lord really was there carrying you through. Right where you were in that situation can sometimes be a little bit difficult. So maybe reflecting on that can be the opportunity that someone can see right now. They're not alone. They're actually being carried. And uh, that would be great. So just maybe give us some insights. What were some of the things that you now know uh, that you could share with others today? Well, one of the verses God used uh, was Isaiah 45, 3, that says he reveals secret things in hidden places that we might know him. And uh, certainly that was what he was showing me because, um, you know, two years into my adversity, God was so gracious to lead me to meet a man named Gunnar Olsen out of Sweden. He was the founder of the International Christian Chamber of Commerce. And um, someone had sent me an audio tape by him that said, God is raising up Joseph's all over the world today. And they is often signified by them going through extraordinary adversity in their business and personal life. And I said, oh, my gosh, I've got that guy. And uh, so I found out he was going to be in Washington, D.C. in two months. I flew there not knowing if I would get to meet him, but he was so gracious to actually allow me to come into his suite there on the top floor. Uh, and that this was the night of a 75 nation conference. And he's he's allowing a perfect stra- stranger to come talk wow. to him. So that was a miracle in itself. I had no idea what level of person I was talking to. But as I shared my story very briefly, he said, Oz, you have a Joseph calling on your life. It's a marketplace call that uh, make you will be a spiritual and provider and physical provider to others through that adversity. And you will be known by the adversity. And little did I know how true that was. I had never written one book in my life. And uh, I walked in that day uh, a victim to my circumstances, being downtrodden and discouraged. And yet I walked out sensing that 
there was a call on my life that I didn't understand the process, but here was somebody who did understand the process, and he became my mentor over the next many years, still is today at 84 years old. <laughs> wow. Isn't it wonderful how in that moment for you, you, you came with um, – not even an expectation, but rather this gentleman spoke a prophetic word over your life. Right. And through that, it completely changed the trajectory of, of your life. What would you say to, to someone who maybe, I mean, if we go back to that situation, was it because you started to have conversations with people that they said, look, go and speak to that person? I'm trying to get to the point of where do people look? I mean, obviously we're going to share how people can get in contact with you, but what are some of the circumstances that people may be overlooking that maybe it is a tap on the shoulder or maybe it is an encouragement, go there? What was happening around that time that you were introduced and recommended, go, go here, go and speak to this person? It was a lot of uh, circumstances, divine circumstances over a period of time. There were many weeks and, and uh, even months where I didn't feel like anything was happening. I, I, I was just struggling to, to pay my bills and connect with people. And, but, um, you know, one of the things I learned years later, uh, people would often ask me, um, when am I going to get out of my pit? <laughs> and I said, well, I tell you, one of the things I learned a long time ago was the minute you start um, not caring about your circumstances is usually the beginning of when things will begin to change. Mm. Because we tend to want to strive and, and make things, you know, push things as, as entrepreneurs and you know, type A personalities, we think we can just fix this problem. And yeah. and this was a problem too big to fix from my perspective. And I was a fixer. Right? Yes, yes. So it was a great uh, process, um, but uh, it, it wasn't a fun process. Mm -hmm. You know what's interesting about that? We've got a couple of comments here where um, I'm not sure who this is, but out of your pain there is purpose, absolutely. And Yvette says, that would be me. So I think she resonated when you were talking about, you know, your Joseph and, and Paul moments. It's interesting as you share that uh, around the, the striving. I mean, often we, we will, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm there. Can you make it quick? You know, and it, it is. It's the real surrendering. And I think, you know, we often strive, but what we'll look at, the Lord is looking for is surrender. And you can't fake that, can you? And it really is time. So I'd imagine that during that time, and I know for me, it is just going to the Word, finding every single Bible study that I can find, often on the YouVersion app, that someone has walked through that previously and has some insights and great Bible verses and stories to remind myself of. I'd imagine that that's, that's kind of what you were doing around that time too, that season where you really are just seemingly to walk in the wilderness. But as we know, when we think we're walking in the wilderness, that's when the Lord is often doing the, the deep work in our, in our heart, isn't he? Yeah, and, you know, that was what Gunnar said to me. He says the, the number one thing you've got to remember is you will, you will fulfill this purpose for your life if you press into the Lord with all your heart. And it, yeah. that is the key thing. So I did that, and I, I spent so much time in the Word. And then as I would spend time in the Word, I would, I would start writing to myself. I would start writing a devotional 
really for me, because I was discovering what I was learning in the word. And I would just write this simple thing and I would just send it off to a few friends on my email list. And uh, I'd do this for months and I'd miss a few day, a day or two. And somebody write me back and say, hey, where's my devotional? And I said, what do you mean, where's your devotional? You're not paying for it. And that was the only indication I got that people were really you know, benefiting from it. But then a friend of mine who had an Internet site that later became Crosswalk.com said, why don't you let me put these on the web and I will send them out for you and uh, you won't have to send them off your laptop every day. And so he did that. And I started getting email from people all over the world and they would say the same thing. You read my mail today. You spoke right into a situation that I'm facing. Uh, it's uncanny. Sometimes I think you're standing behind me when I'm reading. And uh, this happened over and over again. So, and little would I know it would grow and grow and end up going to 105 countries and several hundred thousand people reading it daily. And so when we now have three of those, you know, devotionals, uh, com is where they get them, but it's a, uh, um, you know, God turns the Valley of Acor into a door of hope for mm. us and others if we press into him. Mm. Isn't it wonderful that with technology now you're able to impact the lives of many? And back at that time when you were going through that season of, of wandering in the wilderness, if we can call it that, um, your Joseph moment, Little did you know what the Lord was going to do in your life. What would you say to someone that is going through, and then we'll move on to the next um, piece, which is God's desire to use you as a change agent to change culture. Uh, you know, so often it is it is easy to give up. The enemy does not want us to, to go through that so that we can come out the other end and fulfill our purpose. So what are some reminders? Maybe there were some Bible verses. Maybe there is something that you really look, I clung on to that. I mean, obviously in the word, but just to, to, to give people that, you know, stay true because there is light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there is, there is hope and God will use this to impact the lives of many people. Absolutely. Well, you know, there's an amazing verse in John 10, 10. And in this verse, you see two mission statements. It says Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. That's his mission. But Jesus comes to give life and life abundantly. So you have two conflicting things right there in that verse. And so I realized and I had other people come to me. In fact, I had one person's made the strangest comment to me. He was a very seasoned uh, marketplace guy, and he said, God must love you a lot. I said, what do you mean? Well, he doesn't allow someone to go through what you've gone through that he doesn't plan to use in a significant way. And what I learned from that years later was the depth and width of our adversity is often commensurate to the call and the influence we'll end up having. You look at Paul and the adversity that he had and the impact he had and all the disciples. And so many times uh, that depth of soul experience is what drives us so deep into the soil of God that it gives us a message to Mm -hmm. be aware with others as we get on the other side of it. Mm, so true. And Yvette says here, uh, waiting for my full release. 
and um, and she said he just encouraged a group with that scripture this morning. So there you go. You know, something that you were talking about before, Oz, how you were writing down certain things. I mean, I've got journals where I've written down, you know, Bible verses and said, oh, this is my favourite. This is my favourite. No, this is my favourite. And I've, I've, I've come to from Genesis and right through to Revelation, all my favourites. I mean, each has its specific um, word of hope and promise, you know, depending on what situation. So such a wonderful reminder, go to the Word, find the Bible verses, and uh, I'm no doubt that you're going to share how people can get in touch with you to get your devotionals as well. Let's talk about God is desiring to use Christian entrepreneurs as his change agents in culture. So often I've heard this term before and I fully believe in it, yet for many it is quite new, and that is business marketplace is ministry. Share a little bit more about that. Well, back during that seven-year season, one of the things I began to really see was this verse out of Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do unto the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you serve, and therein is your inheritance. And that verse seemed to just impact me a great deal. And uh, as I would study more aspects of you know, looking at work in the context of Scripture and how Jesus operated, you know, I began to see that Jesus, you know, he called 12 individuals out of the workplace. He did most of his ministry in the marketplace. He didn't take people into the synagogue to get them healed. And uh, he uh, used powerful uh, authority that he passed on to all his uh, followers he said he, he was giving them the keys of the kingdom and to, he was wanting them to pray heaven on earth. And so that's our mandate as believers. And it doesn't say you have to be in vocational ministry to do that. In fact, the fivefold gifts were not even, you know, there weren't full-time ministers back then other than the priest, you know. Mm -hmm. And so the Bible is full of examples of entrepreneurs. And, you know, the, the thing is, entrepreneurs are called to really uh, build the kingdom through their entrepreneurial spirit. And, uh, you know, so they're called to do that. And uh, the Bible says that we are given the ability to create wealth in order to establish his kingdom on earth. And uh, so the way entrepreneurs are often attacked is in their business life, either through, you know, financial crisis or a consumptive lifestyle. And so we have to watch that and make sure that we're fully devoted to the Lord in our call. Something the other day that I heard, and it was so true, you know, so often as business owners, we assume that this is our business, but it actually isn't. It, as you mentioned, we're here in our business to support um, the kingdom growth, whatever that may be. And so when we say God is the CEO, the owner of our business, we need to make sure that our decisions, you know, we seek his counsel, we seek his um, His insights, you know, his, his ways and are much, you know, better than than ours and things that we have no idea about. He's, uh, yeah, he's putting into place. And so how do we know that unless, of course, we keep in regular contact with him, daily, daily contact. Speak a little bit more about changing culture because, or in culture, because I, and, and I'd love you also to talk about 
you know, as Christians, do we really understand the authority? You just said Christ gave us, handed us the keys. We have full authority in Christ and culture, the changing culture. Do you feel sometimes that as Christians we don't actually really understand fully that authority that we have and so often we allow the enemy to take away that and that doesn't come from arrogance or pride or anything like that but fully committed to continuing what 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 jesus had started of course share a little bit about your insights to this if you would well you know jesus is our model for all of this and you know it's interesting that he had great spiritual authority but he never reached for the power and Mm. He, he used um, his relationship to the father and saw what the father was doing to express what would happen on earth. And, um, you know, one of the things that we learned years ago was it only takes three to five percent of a leadership at the top of a cultural sphere to actually shift that sphere. You know, mm-hmm. whether business, government, arts and entertainment, media, the family, the church, um, education. Um, and and w- one of the best case studies we see of that is the gay rights movement that in the in America, here you had less than 1%, 1 to 2% of a leadership that they began to understand how to shift things Uh, from being a moral issue to being a civil issue. Mm -hmm. And as they went in each of those spheres, they began to go into Hollywood and get uh, roles played, scripts written with their characters in them, and they began to change America's view of that issue uh, Mm -hmm. so that it could be acceptable and mainstream, whereas in the past you would never do that. But they had a strategy. And they went into the school system and changed textbooks and and began to lobby. They went into government and did more lobbying and and elected people that were more uh, open to their agenda. And so as believers, we fail to understand that we have even greater opportunity because we actually have still have a very large remnant in the body of Christ that can make a difference, but we haven't understand, you know, what it means to be gentle as doves and, and wise as serpents. We tend to be gentle as doves and forget the second part. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's so true for, you know, even policy changes and things, Uh, you know, rather than take a step back and kind of go, well, you know, didn't see that happening. As you say, move in those places and, and contribute, contribute rather than, than stepping back. So what was that figure? That was quite a low figure, 2 to 3%, did you say? 3 to 5%. 3 to 5 yeah, percent. Actually, you know, and, that, and we're seeing that in politics today, even in America, where, you know, with this new administration, you're going to see a lot of policy changes because of a very small percentage of people that got the power. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And so when you're thinking about the entrepreneurships as being change agents in culture, maybe it would be great for you if you've got any any, uh, case studies or examples of where you've seen businesses actually doing that. Did you want to share a few? Well, we're right now in the middle of an initiative that will be launching soon. The website's not completely up yet called the great awakening project.org and uh, you can put your name in that place but it's an initiative 
of a, a number of leaders in the body of Christ coming together around the seven spheres. And what we've been doing is identifying the top leaders in those spheres to come together and develop a strategy. For instance, the business sphere right now has a strategy to reach 10 million Christian-owned businesses. And many of the marketplace ministries have come together and collaborated together to bring all of our influence to try to reach that goal. And then there's been a a group, uh, a philanthropic group that's Mm -hmm. come alongside and says, Uh, We need to use our resources to bring revival to America. And so all of these are starting to converge, and uh, we're in the beginning stages of that. Yeah. You know what I love about that is so often we do feel that the workload or what we would like to see the change and the influence that we'd like is just too big too overwhelming. However, as we know, there are many people with different gifts, different talents, different, you know, strengths that together can make a difference. I mean, we see that very much when we think about the local church, which is, of course, one sphere, isn't it? The local church, wherever that local is in in your country, um, can often work really well together, different people, you know, volunteering and, and so forth. And this, as you say, across the different spheres. Now, for someone who may not have heard of, of that term before just could if you could um, define that the, the, the spheres the seven spheres what are they yeah well um bill bright and lauren cunningham in 1975 that's where this originated and the, they had uh, met that week together and it just so happened god gave both of them a dream and the dream was that if we're going to affect culture then we've got to evangelize and uh, bring revival into these seven areas of government, media, church, education, family, arts and entertainment, and business and economics, and that uh, these areas are areas where they have the most influence in society, Mm -hmm. where values are established, where beliefs are established. And so We've got to be salt and light in those areas. It's not, uh, it's simply a strategy for bringing the gospel in. Mm-hmm. And so that's, uh, you know, some people call them mountains, some call them mind molders, some call them gates. It really doesn't matter what you call them, as they're just places of influence. Mm-hmm. What, you know, it's reminded me of as you're sharing about certain circumstances and situations. And we started off the show talking about crises and we're going to finish off a little bit because we, in a moment you're talking about healing and maturity. And I think there has to be healing. There has to be maturity for the Lord to really step forward and, and really use you, as you say, as, as a change agent across one of those seven areas. If we have a look then at um, those situations, you had someone that spoke over your life and said you are going to, to be an influence in the area of the marketplace. Where would people go to find out, well, where am I to be in influence? When someone spoke over you, did you see dots joining because you'd been in business and so forth? Can our past often be a a determinator of where the Lord will be placing us in the future. Just some insights, because I'm sure people will be thinking, well, where am I in the seven seven spheres, the seven mountains? Well, I think it's a combination of things. I think that God allows us to have 
all the life experiences we have and then to build upon that. And sometimes he shifts us, you know, and you look at the life of Joseph. Joseph had a DNA of leadership and administration. That was that was his DNA. Um, And so what we see in his life was that no matter where he was, that gifting was utilized, whether it was being as a servant to, you know, Potiphar's household or in the prison for the, you know, head of the prison. And the Bible says that God prospered Joseph in those situations. And so what we see is that gifting then because of this significant gifting and he didn't, you know, become a victim to his circumstances, he allowed his gift to operate in those environments. And as a result of that, he he was honored by God by elevating him to, you know, move from the pit to the palace, right? And uh, I think that's a great example for all of us to understand that if we're faithful in the little things, even in the when we're not seen, when we're in the pit, that God will somehow raise us up and elevate us into whatever his call is for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a uh, it's ta- sometimes it's taking one step at a time, one uh, moment at a time, one week at a time. And uh, one thing I tell people when they're in major adversity is don't project the future. You don't know what the future is. Whenever you start thinking, oh, this is going to happen or that's going to happen, all that does is bring you into depression. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So try to avoid that and try to thank God for what he gives you each day. Yeah, yeah. Yvette uh, mentioned uh, just a couple of comments. I'm going to include those because she's uh, following along. I appreciate you being here, Yvette. We as leaders must honour people over personal gain and process to fully complete our assignments. I think we both definitely agree with that, and that's really what you've been saying as well, Oz. But here's a question, and just thought, you know, maybe you might have some insights here. She says, how do you see workplace culture to really become diverse, equal, and inclusive for people of colour throughout every level of organization. I think part of that is bringing the kingdom into those environments. You know, as we um, really express Christ in those environments through you and me and others, then that should further model what the kingdom looks like in those Mm. environments. And so when the devil tries to take environments and tries to segment people and put certain people down and certain people up and discrimination and all of that. We know that that's not of God. So we have to be instruments to be salt and light in those environments, even in the workplace. Mm. And you know, there are a lot of wonderful kingdom business leaders today that are doing that well. But Big business, uh, you know, we we need more influence in big business and government, especially in that area. Yeah. I mean, thanks for the question, Yvette. And I cannot even believe that we're still in 2021 talking about, you know, equality, inclusivity, uh, you know, for people of colour, but also, you know, um, gender as well. I mean, if someone is skilled for the role, 
hire them. I know that I would want to, you know, to, to have the best person in the role, no matter what, you know, background and, and who they are. So, and, and just we're reminded, and, I, and then we'll move on to the last point, we're reminded of the situations and we've talked about crises. You know, often when we look through some of the Bible stories where they they talk about, you know, that war is right on on a, a civilization's doorstep and there's nothing, nothing that they can do to even hope to win the war because their army is, you know, how many times bigger than uh, the enemy's army? And they throw their hands up. They obviously repent and say, look, Lord, we've been doing it our, our way. And when they do, that is when the Lord steps up and, yeah, things just change, you know. They win the war because of, of God's blessing and, and, and his, um, yeah, his initiatives and so forth. And I think when we're looking at the different mountain spheres, we've done it our way. Now it is time to go, Lord, we have not been good stewards across any of these areas of business. Now it is time for, for you to do it your way because I guarantee we will have insights and initiatives and ways of doing things that we could as human beings never even hope to achieve on, on our own. But we do need to talk about crises are often designed to bring healing and maturity in our lives that we would not gain without the crises. And for some of us, it is coming up against things that we've tried to do on our own and the Lord is saying no. We continue to fill in the gap. You will not move forward to that. Let's talk a little bit more about that because I think it's so important. We have to go to deal with that healing, don't we? And, and for some of us, it's turning away from the same old, same old, it's the repenting of, of what we've been doing. Yes. Well, absolutely. And one of the things that the crisis uh, revealed for me as a, a businessman was that I had some strongholds of insecurity and fear that made me control people and circumstances and that caused conflict in relationships and was a contributor to my uh, marriage breakdown mm -hmm. and but i didn't understand that because it was on a subconscious level but god was gracious to send a guy into my life who had run a he was a vietnam helicopter pilot who ran a christian retreat center in new england and he was tough as nails and he'd look at me and he'd notice when I started going into that direction and yeah. he'd rebuke me and he would, I mean, he was tough. He was like a drill sergeant with me, but I needed somebody like that in my life to be able to help me see what I couldn't see. Mm. And, uh, and that, that was measured over multiple times in s situations where I didn't know something about my character or you know, my personality that this this crisis forced me to look at, you know, crisis can go one of two ways. You can be a victim to the crisis and give up and just go hide in a cave or you can learn from it and learn what you're supposed to learn from it and become better for it. And God will use it. Um mm. Uh, so I think that's a, a very important thing to do. 
Yeah. One of the things that I have found and love your insights on this is that often the enemy knows where or to a degree knows where that that if we really step into that that assignment, the calling, the purpose that the Lord has for us, then we really will impact the kingdom. So he can tend to trigger us in the areas where we know are our deepest, you know, where we really need to go to the cross and say, Lord, I need help in this certain area. For me, it was identity, not feeling good enough, similar, you know, not feeling good enough, needing to feel that I needed this studies and this studies and this studies, wanting to be noticed to the point where, you know, there is this period of wilderness and it's wandering and saying, well, until you no longer really desire that and your desire is on me, I'm keeping you hidden. And then once we heal through that and we fully surrender and we say, Lord, it is, you know, you, you are who I desire and who fulfills me, that the Lord says, well, now I can use you in in ways that, you know, because you're just not tired. Have you found that in your life too? And I say that because for some people that are listening and watching today, the biggest struggle that you're dealing with now needs to be taken before the Lord, before the cross, before the throne, get healing with that, ask, you know, for forgiveness, because through that will then come the greatest contribution that you can have for the kingdom, you know, once you get dealing, once you heal with that, from that. Have you found that to be true too, Oz? Well, one of the things I, I realized in the scripture is that God has um, a graduate level test. And that graduate level test is how you deal with your enemies. Uh, Jesus said, I want you to forgive your enemies, but not only do I want you to forgive them, I want you to bless them. Yeah. <laughs> and I had uh, like five five situations that... Um, I was betrayed over and each one of them, God had me deal with each one through forgiveness and blessing those people. And one of them was, was a person that was spreading things about me over the internet. And I was his publisher. And I said, well, surely you don't want me publishing his book, do you? And, um, he said, yeah, not only that, I want you to promote it. <laughs> so that was humbling. And, uh, but wow. you know, God has a, a way of uh, testing us. And, you know, it, the, the consequence of not doing that are quite severe. He says, well, if you won't forgive them, then I won't forgive you. And yes. that's a pretty amazing statement that he makes there. Yeah. You know what? We've had a couple of shows on forgiveness, and I think it is important because there is an emotional tie that can become a stronghold, really, can't it? It really become a barrier and a block. And so, you know, I'm sure that during that period, it was probably like you got to be, you know, you can't be serious, but the Lord said, yeah, very serious. But now you can look back on that and there probably is no real emotional tie there. You can talk about it and it doesn't, you know, that cause of the pit of the, 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 you know, your stomach. You know, what I often do is if you pray for your your enemies and that they will come to know the Lord, then they become part of the family and all is good, you know. So um, anyway, there's one other question that we have here, Oz, uh, before you go and you share how people can get in contact with you, that asks the question, do you see kingdom entrepreneurship taking over big business? And if so, where can we make the greatest inroads? Well, I think that's all dependent if we have a worldwide revival. You know, I believe the only hope 
for the nation, the world and the countries is a worldwide revival. Mm. In 1857, there was uh, Jeremiah Lanfear was encouraged by his pastor. He was a single 40 year old stockbroker, uh, one block from Ground Zero in New York City. And he told him to go start a prayer meeting for for businessmen. And so he went and he started this prayer meeting and the first meeting had six people and they didn't show up until 30 minutes into the hour. And so he had this prayer meeting for an hour. And do you know that within six months, 30,000 people were meeting for prayer in New York City that spread to other cities and even other nations. A million people came to Christ uh, in America during that time, which that's a lot of people at that time. Mm-hmm. And some people say two million came from the other countries. And so, you know, uh, people, uh, it was said in the biography of, of that movement was that people would be coming in on ships and have to bow their knee because they mm-hmm. felt the presence of God in the city. And yeah. so we need that kind of outpouring for us to impact you know, when a life is really touched by God, you, mm. there's no telling what can happen. You know, you could have, you know, Apple computer transformed for Christ, right? Or, mm-hmm. or Amazon or, you know, uh, God can do big things, but it has to be a revival of, of the heart because yes. it's only in the heart that um, things can change at that level. Yeah, uh, Yvette said, glory to God, revival is on the way. Yeah, absolutely. When we think of the, um, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, who were actually more uh, at that time, you know, Jesus, he, he had the loaves and the fish and he prayed, blessed it, asked God to bless that. And then, you know, the Lord, you know, God multiplied what we have. So he will multiply what we uh, are doing. And if we're not sure, ask him, because he's always looking for people to step forward. And everything that we've spoken about today certainly um, plants seeds, I think, and gives an indication to Christian entrepreneurs that you can contribute in changing culture. So, Oz, how can people get in contact with you? What's the best way for them to do that? I would say if they go to our website where the devotional is, todaygodisfirst.com, todaygodisfirst.com and they can sign up for the devotional there and that'll encourage them every day fantastic and of course if you're listening to the audio version we'll have all of those contact details in the show notes as well oz one of the things that i love to do is just to pray at the end of uh, every episode could i do that for you today Absolutely. As we finish, all right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to speak to Oz today and uh, really be empowered, Lord, by what he shared and that even when we are right in the midst of a crisis, there is healing, there is purpose that is being developed. We just need to lean into you. For some of us, we need to really just go on our knees, Lord, and and ask for healing, ask for forgiveness so that you can work through that and uh, really then work in our lives so that we can fulfill our purpose which is to glorify you and continue the assignment in which you uh yeah you have placed in, in front of us lord we've heard so many things today that we may not understand how can we contribute what can we do so father we just ask that you reveal that to us you know each and every one of us who are either watching today or listening to the audio recording we can combine resources as i've said combine resources with us 
others to make a much bigger impact for your kingdom. Father, we ask for uh, wisdom. We ask for knowledge of supernatural levels, Lord. Um, let us know where we need to move. Let us know what we need to say. Put your words in our mouths so that we can contribute and we can really rally up and stir up a revival that maybe, Lord, has not yet been seen before so that the seven mountains, we can have people that stand up um, and, and really bring to those seven mountains the way that you, that you really share and want things to be done so that we can, as the Bible um, suggests and, and really commands us to do, to bring your kingdom here on earth uh, and your will to be done. So, Father... Thank you again. We ask this all in the precious name of our Saviour, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Oz, for coming on the show. Uh, we've had a vet here. Um, she says, uh, thank you so much for sharing such great wisdom and appreciate you both. The interview is great. And, uh, well, I'm just here asking the questions. I've got the wonderful guests. And so thank you so much. I'm so I'm blessed myself through having connected with you, Oz. Um, and thank you for your continued ministry and the works that you're doing. And please, everyone, reach out to Oz. Uh, get yourself on those Bible studies and, and so forth and, and over to the website that he suggested. So thanks once again, Oz, for coming on the show. Thank you. God bless. This podcast is brought to you by TheInfluenceAlliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series.